What's going on? Yo, it's your boy, Keep It Mike. You're listening to 102.9 Tape Deck. Glad y'all be able to rock me for the show tonight. And tonight, I got a real, real, real special guest here, man. Um, this this man here, this cool gentleman, I consider him a big brother, a mentor, a leader, a pillar to the community. You know, um, I know him at such a personal level, you know, when I met him over 20 years. Been rocking for 20 years. You know that? We've been rocking for 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, man. Time flies. Yes. Um, you know, uh, he he took me in as part of his crew. We're going to get into the Soul Calibur movement. We're going, to, we're going back there. Oh, we're going man. back where it all started. You know, um, I could say so much about this man. And, you know, if if, if I say so much of this compliment of this young man here, man, it'll be like a two-hour episode. and It'll be like a whole three-part series. You know, a, a father, husband, a man of God, um, an author. We're going to speak about his book. Blue ink, blue ink, blue ink tears. That's right. Blue ink tears. Wait, man, look at my English all messing up right now. You got me nervous here, brother. Hey, man. But um, yes, man. He, he he's just like you know uh, a go to person whenever you have an issue, man. You know, I was going through a little personal issue, and you know, I gave this man a call, and he just became such a big brother to me. And you know, I could go on and on about this man coming straight. Well, before we coming straight out of Florida, but originally from Lawrence, Massachusetts, Dominicano right. to the fullest. Black and he's proud. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I got Roberto Germán in the building, man. What's going on, brother? Hey, hey, hey. Grace and peace, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for welcoming me in. Um, I'm happy to be present. First time here at the Boston Neighborhood Network at Tape That Guy, man. And let's, let's rock, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to chop it up with you, Cuba. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. I'm going to get straight to it, man. Blue, blue in tears, man. Um, This book... I finished reading it, and it's so amazing. It's unbelievable. Thank um, you. I, it, it actually, I'll tell you this right now, it encouraged me to get back on the mic and start spitting. You know, I haven't spitting in years, but now I actually found the courage, and I've been doing my little circuit around here in Massachusetts, and I'm getting my little notoriety here. Love this it. Book, this book here really has, has really, really put the battery on my back to do what I got to do out here with these words, man, so thank you. Nah, I love it, man. You're the second person to tell me that in the past two days, man. And for me, just hearing that reinforces part of the reason I did this. You know, like it ain't it ain't about the dollars. I'm not saying I don't want to, you know, make my paper off of off the product, but that's that wasn't the motivator. You know, the motivator was I, I have a story to tell. I have a voice. My voice is important. And some people going the contest going to resonate with some people for others. You know, maybe not. Or for others, it, it might just expose them to something new or something different. But hearing you, Jackson, others who are like, yo, I need to put my book out. I need to write. I need to get out there. I need to start sharing my work again. I, I need to get back at it. I need to get back in the practice and the discipline of writing. I, I need to get back on the mic. I need to get back on the circuit. Man, that fills my cup, bro. So thanks for sharing that. Not a problem, man. So let's get to it, man. Blue Ink Tears, man. What was the book? What was your motivation, the story behind that, and how this book came together? Yeah. Blue Ink Tears, man, is it's my journey. It's my journey past 20 years. The idea first came to me when I was an undergrad at Merrimack College. It was like a freshman or a sophomore in college, and around that time, you know, the crew, we were we were always writing, we were always pushing each other, we were always challenging each other. 
myself, the 23rd, Troy Lazaro, my man Jack Rand, Jackson Garcia, Hollywood Jack, um, my man Brad Blase, a bunch of us, you know, Junie. We, we were always active, and so we, we were hosting shows. We were submitting to writing competitions. We, we come out here to Cambridge and, and do slam poetry competitions, so we were active. And Blueing Tears, it was a poem that I wrote, but we also did an event titled Blueing Tears at Merrimack College. And so I've had the concept with me for a long time in terms of blue being my favorite color, but blue also representing a, a color that could be a mood, right? Yeah. Um. So the spectrum there with, with the notion of blue and then ink representing my pensive side. The ink section, you'll notice that there's a lot of pieces that have to do with justice and equity and, and identity, both cultural and language. And then the tears section represents daily living, you know, things that are happening on the regular that just surface in life, uh, uh, emotions. You know, I got a poem in there about anger. I got a poem about stress, divorce. Uh, I got a couple pieces dedicated to, to my father, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. And so talking about yes. grief and mourning and, and, and how you work through that. And so Blue Ink Tears encompasses all of that. Uh, and not just my experiences, but I also really try to capture the experiences of people around me, people in my life or people I'm just observing from afar. Sure. I hear that. And, okay, so I, I read the book, incredible book. And, you know, right off the gate, right off the gate, one of the things, well, before I even, well, no, wait, before I even get to that, there's one thing I want to show, um, want to talk to you about that. When I was going through this book, you mentioned right now the Blue, Blue Ink Tears, the first show that you guys did. Well, not one of the first show, but that was the title you named on that date. And yeah. it was on October 25th, it was 2002. I'm seeing this right now because it's in the book. Yeah, yeah. I That was, no, no, because I want to talk about that. That was my first show I went to see you guys. Really? Yes. I look at the I look at the the list of the people that were performing. I was there. That was the wow. first one with you guys. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that was your first one. You well, you picked a good one, man. No, it was a full house. You, it was a full it was house. A full house. You guys packed that up. In the Rogers Center at Merrimack yeah. College. That was my first one I witnessed you guys at. And I'm like, holy crap. And the fact that you guys did this in Merrimack. Yeah. First, how was that experience trying to pull it up in Merrimack? Because we know the story behind Merrimack. We're going to get into that because I don't want to touch that topic. But just that experience and just be who you are and the squad that you're with. Because I know you guys were militant to the fullest. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, for sure. We were <laughs> we were blacklisted. And what can I say, man? In life, you got you to gotta embrace the spectrum, the good and the bad, the trials and the triumphs. And so I'll say this. I can't paint Merrimack in a completely negative light, but I'm also not going to lie and paint it in a completely positive light. I'm grateful for the experience that I had, even though there were moments in which it wasn't pleasant and, and also in which I didn't feel like we were... We were definitely not affirmed in that environment. That's why we did so many of the things that we did. That's why we started a 
a TV station called the Underground Railroad. That's why we were out there advocating for not just opportunities for us, but, you know, for for voices of people that look like us and have similar experiences to, to be heard, for our experiences to be validated. That's why we 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 started, we had shows, we hosted shows on campus, uh, arts, creative art shows, hip-hop shows. We, we got talent from all over, not just the campus, but we had local talent who would come through. We're like, yo, we want to present opportunities. I don't know if you were at the show. I don't know if you remember this, but we had we had some other shows. There was one show where we had where we brought through our whole crew performed, the Soul Calibur crew, myself, Jackson. We had Steven Garcia break dancing, 23rd, of course, Blase. And then we had uh Termin the, the Street crew, right? We had uh wow, Term Term and Easy Um Easy Money. When it was just, you know, when it was them two. When it was ST and they, it was them too, speaking through raw uh, epilogue, Ed and Term. Yeah. We, so before, you know, they've really gone on and, and done, done some great things. But before they had the shine that they had now, when they was like really initiating and grinding, we, we had them on. Yeah. And so this is what we were doing in order to find our voice, in order to see ourselves in an environment that did not affirm us that did not represent us in any way, shape, or form. That being said, we also had some wonderful professors and we made some great connections. And and ultimately, that collective, the, the Soul Calibur movement, if it wasn't for Merrimack, there is no Soul Calibur movement. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of what we went through at Merrimack, that was the space in which we came together. So we, I, I got to recognize that. You know, I got to acknowledge that and, and call that what it is. You know, it's a blessing for us to come together in that particular time. And the fact that we have remained together all these years later, that our brotherhood is still strong. Even though I'm living in Tampa, Florida, after spending t- uh, seven years in Austin, Texas, uh, even though you're still up here and Steve's still up here and Lamar's still up here, but Troy's back in Connecticut and Junie's back in Connecticut and, and Jackson's down south with me in Florida, we're still connecting. Basil's over here in Boston. We're still connected. The brotherhood is still strong. And so to me, that's the amazing thing of it all. And and that came together at Merrimack College. So, you know, appreciative to Merrimack for not only the opportunity that I was afforded, but the opportunity that my brothers were afforded where, where we were able to connect and build a foundation as the Soul Calibur movement. And, you know, just to piggyback on that, um, I, I would like to say an extra thank you because um, I met you guys. Shout out to your cousin Melissa because she was actually the foundation of how I met all and, y'all. Oh, word. It was Melissa. You know Melissa's in Florida too. Yes, yes. She it, lives like 15 out, minutes from my house. Shout out to Melissa because I was cool with Melissa. That was that was my plug to y'all. Okay. Melissa. Because Melissa was singing with us. Yes. But prior to that, I knew her from working at the mall. Okay. So when I met her at the mall, we just got cool. And then she's like, yo, this is like, she met she she mentioned Lamar, and then she can mention it like you guys, but you guys were like right across the street from me. But I just didn't bother with it because I was in my own little world. So when I um finally got a chance to go to Lamar's house, that's when he was rooming with Jack with Troy and Steve, yeah yeah yeah, and you had the whole the whole pack there. I got through that, but it was it was it was a how can I say it, it was a connection because you knew Jackson through Central, that's Lamar right, and Troy are cousins, and then Steve's the brother. 
So I was just like the 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 foster kid that you guys just like took care. Like, what are we doing? He's always here all the time, but he's like, you know, he kind of has like this soulful thing, and he kind of like into the stuff that we're into. But what are we doing with him? And you guys, you just always around, man. Around. It was like, yo, who is this guy, and why is he on the couch? <laughs> Just post it up on the couch. <laughs> like, do you go to school or something? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing in life? But I was always around, and you guys just took me in. And fun fact, it was actually Jackson, the one that always pushed me, because he was like, I know you do something. You ain't going to tell us. And I always had a notebook full of rhymes, but I never, like, did anything with it. I just rhymed, because I used to do, like, Tillotash. I always had something stuck in the chamber, but I never let it out. And it wasn't until we all had a cipher, which I'm going to get into. We had a fun cipher. <laughs> And, you know, I was like, that was my thing to prove to you guys that I could hang. So, like, I will tag them all out and make them do something with us, man. But I say that to say this, man. Thank you for taking me in. You know what I mean? Because I only do I saw a, a brotherhood. I saw a family unity. You know, from not only mm-hmm. from the Castle Matter, uh, from Merrimack, but just from a black and brown Latino perspective. We saw everybody from DR, black American, not Jamaican or that mm-hmm. black American yeah. you know, like what it looks like to have a black family, black American family, mm-hmm. having God in their life and just having just a, a skinny Cuban kid just coming through and but hey, what up guys? What uh can I can I cool? Can I hang with y'all? Can I be cool with y'all? Can I hang? Can I chill? And y'all was just like, I right, just roll with us little man and y'all just took me in and again, a hundred thank yous because I look at you as motivation, brotherhood and leaders. Thank you. Man, that's beautiful, man. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah, man. We uh we're blessed, man. We're blessed, and I'm I'm grateful to have witnessed your growth in all these past years and the stuff you're doing now. Not just with the Boston Neighborhood Network, but w- with the Ruckus Podcast and um, with your advocacy for the Cuban people, man. I mean, y- you're not just talking; you're you're leading by example, man. And the, at the end of the day, that's that's what we were and still are about is like, hey, we ain't going to just come at you. We ain't going to just tell you what you should be doing. We're going to model the example. You know what I'm saying? We're going to stand on that. You're going to see us in the front lines. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I love I love what, what I'm seeing from you. Um, and I know you recently got recognized by the city of Boston for your advocacy, man. So yeah. salute. Thank S- you. Salute. You know, the way I see it is like, you get recognized and and you get highlighted, you know, that means the whole team is shining. Yeah. I shine, you shine. You know what it is. Smith yeah, and Wesley. Amen to that, man, 100%. The book, let's get to it for a quick second. Let's go. There's a lot of things that want to be cold. Right off the gate, um, the second poem you have in this book to your tia Rebecca, um, one of the things you did in the book, some of them you did in English and some of them in Spanish. Uh, what prompted you to do that? Yeah, good question. So, before I answer your question, you know Tia Rebecca is Mel- Melissa's grandmother. No. Yeah. No, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. I didn't know that. Yeah. And but to, to answer your question, I deemed it important, given that this is my first book, this is my debut book, I said, you know what, I, I, I've really got to show the people who I am. I got to show them the the range that represents me, Roberto Germán. And part of that is sharing my identity, my bilingual, bicultural identity. Cause I'm 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 fully Dominican in the sense that both of my parents 
are Dominican, right? So that's that's my heritage. That's my ethnicity. They immigrated from the Dominican Republic so that I could have a better life here in the United States. So I'm, I'm very much Dominican in terms of the up bringing in, in, in my household, the presence, the traditions, the customs, the culture, the food. Yeah. And I'm very much American because I was born here. And I'm, I'm, I embrace that. I'm American. I'm from Lawrence, man. When people ask me where I'm from, what I represent, I always tell them I'm from Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, Massachusetts. Everywhere I go. When I lived in Texas for seven years, oh, where you from? Lawrence. When they ask me now, I live in Tampa, Florida. Where you from? Lawrence. Now, I live in Tampa, and I used to live in Austin, but I'm from Lawrence. Mm. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. Y'all know what time it is with us. And so, I'm American, because Lawrence is the last time I checked in the United States of America. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm not, you know, I don't run from that. I embrace that. And I think that comes across in the book. I, I think people get the sense of like, you know, I got poems in there. Yes, some of them are straight English and then translate into Spanish and then some of them are bilingual. And so you you also get to see my thinking because that's the way it comes out sometimes. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm speaking in English. De una vez, de repente yo te tiro con, yo, da 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 right? You a know, like, a quick spanking. Yeah, just the, the code switching, <laughs> yeah. language switching, right? And so... I wanted, especially for for folks that come from that experience, like us. Yes. I wanted them to connect with that, to feel like, yo, you know, it doesn't have to be just this or just that. Because I don't represent just this or just that. I don't stay in all English. I don't stay in all Spanish. You know, you might feel like my Spanish is not polished enough for you. Whatever, that's your problem to deal with. Mm. Others over here might might feel a particular way if I'm not speaking the king's English. Well, I flip it to you the way I the way I live it, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm you know. Now I know how to code switch. You know, like we we all yeah, you know, a, like we have to, right? Yeah. It's the way it, it operates here. But but this is my book and it's my story. So I figured I'm going to present it in the most authentic way possible, and so. You get a little bit of everything, cause that's that's how I move. What, one of the things that I um, okay, so because we our parents are pretty much from the same age and same era, the era before before that, I remember like you know speaking to like let's say my grandparents' generation, that generation when they came here, they were like okay we're American, and that's it. So if we left whatever island or country, whatever it could be, that is deleted, it is done, and we have to learn the American culture, whatever the case may be. I got listened to, to I just got through listening to a podcast, and I remember that it was telling a story how in um, Texas, it was like illegal in certain parts of the city to speak Spanish. That's crazy. Facts. You couldn't speak Spanish. And then certain classes or whatever, you had like a lot of Mexican kids out there, they couldn't like speak the language. You got in trouble or you get suspended or expelled. It's like it, it that. Got nasty like that. And it was dope because I will say after our parents' generation came, they were like, no, we got to switch this. Because they were like, no, you, we were born here, but you're going to remember where we came from because you got to go back home. You got to talk to your cousin. You got to talk to Abuela. You got to talk to everybody out there. You're going to learn the culture. You're going to learn the food. You're going to learn the history. You're going to learn the dance. You're going to learn everything out there. So it was just dope that once we came along, 
We had the English culture. We had the Spanish culture that we had to, like, you know, code switch to. And we even got cool with it and got Spanglish. Just like you said two seconds ago. We'll give you some English, and then right there we'll give you three, four words in Spanish and bring it back home. So that's a that's a marvelous thing about being Latino. Yeah, man. You know, I did an episode on my podcast, the Our Classroom podcast. We talk about education journeys. We talk about things that are happening in our society and connected to, to education, right? I had Steven Alvarez on, poet, writer, educator, professor. He lives in, in Queens, New York. He's originally from Arizona, if I remember correctly. He, he has a... His whole thing is taco literacy, which is dope, and you should check it out. All right. But we were talking about just the lexicon and, like, words, uh, the where words derive from, you know, the origins of these words. And it, we, we went through a bunch of them. Some of them that come to mind for me, sangwiche. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's not a, you know, because sandwich is not an English word or no. a Spanish word. It's a word we made, you know, yeah. just like we created that. Yeah. Washeteria. Yeah. I didn't know what washeteria was until I lived in Texas. I'm like, yo, what is a washeteria? I know what a lavanderia is. Yeah. But washeteria, that was a new one. You know, but that's dope, man. Like how we'll have a particular understanding and, and when cultures blend and language blends, it it creates something new. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, you know, for a lot of us that come from experience, man, like, we're creators. We innovate, man. We we make up stuff. I think, but straight up, because that's what poets do. <laughs> poets make up stuff. We make up words. And I think, well, I mean, I'm at a point we should come up with, like, a Spanglish dictionary just for us. Bro, Dude, I don't know if you remember the word that, like, we came up with as a crew, so Caliber. We came up with a lot of words. We so came up with it, but there's one word that I, like, for me, it, it, if the Soul Caliber documentary ever gets done, oh, God. there has to be a section titled by this word, and, and I think that's, like, the one, like, if there was one word that we made up that, like, you got to associate that with the Soul Caliber movement, it's this one word, and I'm going to say it momentarily. And before I say it, I, I just want to make sure I take credit for making it up. <laughs> I want to I want to establish that, you know what I'm saying? Because, like, the, we've been beefing about this for years, and, you know, Brett takes credit, and I don't know, I think sometimes Troy takes credit, but I know I made it up. Uh, the word is resolate. Oh, okay, this is new one. You got, yeah, I missed this part of the <laughs> All right, all right. You never wrote this down to me. All right, yeah, you, you came on later. Yeah. Um, but resolate... You can say that to any of the fellas in the crew, and it's going to be a conversation starter. <laughs> Especially if you ask, like, yo, who came up with that word? Resolate just means to fall back, you know, to chill, to embrace. Ah, uh, write that to be down. be present. Write that down and make sure you get this copyrighted real quick before it's like Jackson. <laughs> real, real quick. Oh, it's on. I'm about to call my trademark lawyer. <laughs> All right, man. Another part of the book. That it, um, I really shout out to Nick Sally. Shout, shout out, you need a trademark no, lawyer, Nick Sally. <laughs> um, this is one okay, so this, but this one that I read, I want you to help me the code because I knew where you were going with it and I think I know what you were talking about. Um, a mother struggle, okay. Let me let me let's open up. It's on page 10. I All right, I'm here, I'm here, yeah, yeah, man. So, uh, I would assume it's about your mother. 
It's oh, not. Oh, it's not. No, no, no. That was okay. No, it's it, it it's it's about it's about a family. Yeah, and it it wasn't that I wrote this with any particular individuals in mind. It was a combination of experiences and a combination of individuals, if that makes sense. Okay. It's more like when I see certain things happening, right? Because I'm I'm an observer, man. You know, I'm someone I just I just be there and I'm seeing things happen. I'm just like, note to self. I don't like the disrespect. Mm-hmm. Note to self. Don't treat your mother that way. Note to self, this mother is is slowly dying because her children's actions are wearing her out. And her love is so immense that she'll do anything for her children, even though they d- demonstrate complete disregard. Mm. And I'm a parent now, so, you know, I'm also thinking about it from a different lens. I mean, my children are young, but when you become a parent, you know, you you start seeing things differently, experiencing things differently. You start forecasting certain things and like you you see other families and other parents and other children. You're like, yo, is that what I'm in for? Mm, mm. That's that's what I'm going to have to deal with in a few years. Nah, man, I'm, they about to going to come right upside their head. (laughs) But in life, you can't control everything. You can try to influence things, but you can't control everything. We don't, I don't know how my kids are going to turn out. I hope they turn out great. We all do. We all do. You know what I'm saying? But like life happens and, and each person has their own personality and they're going to make their own decisions. And it might not turn out the way you want it to turn out, and you got to deal with that. Sometimes that's a positive thing. Sometimes that's a negative thing. And so in this case, I I just wanted to capture the, the, the love and sacrifice of a mother, albeit children that are not reciprocating that love and sacrifice. Mm, okay. That that was the aim with this. And so, you know, for example, you go down to the third stance of the, the world couldn't stop her from being a given tree mm. of warm meals, bills paid, advice given, late rides, doctor visits, problems solved. Next stance, arms open wide like a General Sherman, stretched beyond capacity. A General Sherman, that's the biggest, that's the biggest treat. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's her arms were open that wide, as wide as like the biggest tree that you can identify. General Sherman, her arms were that wide open, even though her children disregarded her receiving the children's burdens in truth and in lies. Because that's that's what you experience as a parent. Mm-hmm. You receive the burdens of your children, whether it's true or it's false. You carry that weight because they're yours. You brought them into this world. You love them so much. Those parents that love their children, uh, not all do. Um, But, you know, any decent human being that really loves their children, like, they experience 
the weight of that. And so, oh. you know, I, I wanted to... I wanted to make sure that I'm, I was being authentic with the content that I was offering. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't, you know me, man. I ain't giving you the fluffy stuff. Yeah. Um, there's room for that here and there, whatever. But, like, th- this is real. This is real. Like, these are, again, these, I pieced it together in terms of the observations that I made. But, like, this was real stuff. And when I see stuff like that, man, it, it grieves my heart. And so... You know, I, I got to write about that stuff in hopes that, you know, people would receive that. And, and if if that's you, if you fall into this like as a, a child, then ho- hopefully you do some reflecting and correct your behavior. Yeah. Um, and then if you fall into it as a parent, then uh, you might want to get therapy or something. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for decoding that, man. Thank you. Because I, I read the poem like three times. Like, I was like, okay, where are you going with this? So I thought it was dedicated myself, but it was something that it was a, it was a little bit, um, what's the one I'm looking for here? It was a little bit more broad, if that's the one I'm looking for here. It was not It was not dedicated to anybody, which is something. No, no, no. No, I wasn't. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't dedicated to anybody. Uh-uh. I wouldn't do my sisters like that. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> I enough. just tell them in their face, you know, which I think is worse. You know, maybe they would want me to just write it. Yeah. You know, because you know me, man. I could be a little raw with it. Little? <laughs> I was, you know, I was trying to give myself a little grace, but thanks, bro. <laughs> no problem. No problem. That's what we're here for. All right, man, guys. So check it, man. man. I got a little special treat for y'all, man. I got my mans here. Rob Jeremy in the building, and, you know, I asked him he could bless us with a couple of, you know, spoken words coming from the book. So, whichever one you want to hit us with, I know we talked about doing a couple here. Yeah. So, whichever one you want to set it off with, and please, you know, do what you do. You, do what you do. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm uh I'm gonna correct you real quick because you're Americanizing my last name. Oh, Herman. 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 Yeah, people gotta say it right. Say it right. You know, I gotta uphold the legacy. Yeah. Here. My apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me let me hit you with this piece, City of Promise. All right, check it. <clears throat> I'm from the city of promise, birthplace of poets, Roberto and Robert, frosted in proverbs. To quote Solomon, the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. So here's to Jay Atkinson, who babbled about that which he did not know, does not know, and will not know because some things need to be experienced to be understood. Big up to what's good in the hood. Real journalists portray the truth with authenticity. Reporting live from the intersection of Esperanza and Hope Street, my folks be leading movements in the city of promise, the great city of Lawrence, where it's common to hear people say, I never knew a love love like this. Gotta be something for me to write this. See, I am a voice in the wilderness, too. Opposing the view that my city is screwed. Media bias projected in news, but history's coming alive through the youth. Bridget Betances, Mass Youth of the Year. We breed the best and brightest round here. It's a habit in this habitat for humanity where we hold hands to balance the scales of depravity. Meet me at the center of gravity where promise awaits. Like a blind date, there's always hope that this will turn out well. And since damned is related to hell, there's no way in hell my city is damned. My city is jam-packed with immigrants that 
left everything in order to give everything. A recurrent history in these streets where residents pursue happiness like Will Smith. Against all odds, relentlessly working to overcome the obstacles, language, culture, customs, and systems of oppression, an ongoing mission that's constantly evolving, the spirit of the city captured in a collective voice that cries out, we are Lawrence, the city of promise. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. So, of course, it was about Lawrence. <laughs> Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway, baby. I told you, man, that's what I represent. Born and raised. Lawrence General Hospital, where I was born, where my father died last year. I carry the banner, man. And this is how we do it, baby, from 978 all the way to Florida, baby. This is your boy, Keeping Mike. You're listening to the 102.8 tape that got Roberto Germán in the building. And not only is he a poem and an author, but he also gets busy on the mic. So can we play some of your music here, partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it, man. Yo, let's go to You Already Know. Can we get to that? Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. What's good? I'm in the hood with the cuz dope. Where the cops and the crooks go. When them D boys sell with the cooks, then pumps for a second night. That's a good look, yo. I'm a D boy too. Definition just a little bit different. Let me put you on a something head. Got a box in the back next to the donut in the jack. Roll up, heads don't know how to act. Roll up like the whole block on the cash. Roll up, give that grace right back. Roll. Spit balls, make them go nuts. Then I am a repentant like, oh boy, hold up. Disciple of the Most High, and I move with the spirit, call that the ghost ride. For those that don't know, we don't do this for show, but we do this for show. Y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you, you know Jesus, man, tell them, y'all already know, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you about the God you serve, tell them, y'all already know, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you, you know Jesus shouted, tell them, y'all already know, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you about the God you serve, tell them, y'all already know. It may sound redundant, hear what you know two times. So beat the switch. Llegamos lo que faltaban con mano en la palabra, haciéndola accesible, estilo música urbana. No te gusta, dime que te pasa. Este estilo de music no te cuadra. El título es cristiano, te apaga porque no te hablo de plomo o de Superman sin capa, muchos creen. Que se cristiano como color rosa, que la vida suave, que la tentación es poca cosa. Oye, manito, quiero que entiendas si fuera así de simple, no hubiese muerto una cruz, mejor si hubiese dado un tiempo. ¿Tú te imaginas un Cristo con queratina? Eso está medio Hollywood. Así de fácil la gente se distrae. Él fue regalo al mundo y ahorramos un barrigo. Que lo que es papá, como es papá. Activado sin necesidad de mover papá. Más combinado que una caja fuerte. Aquí no estamos sueltos, sino basado en el omnipotente. Ustedes saben, dile, ya ustedes saben, dile, ya ustedes saben. If you already know, fam, get with the program. We're Los Angeles, like if we yelling, go Rams. And this union's for life, go bands. You know I'm holding on tight with both hands. Yup, love at first glance with that holy rope. Y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. Tell them, y'all already know. 
When they ask you, you know Jesus, man, tell them, y'all already know. Y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you about the God you serve, tell them, y'all already know, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you, you know Jesus shouting, tell them, y'all already know, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know, tell them, y'all already know. When they ask you about the God you serve, tell them, y'all already know. Tell them, y'all already know. Y'all already know. Y'all already know. Y'all already know, baby. 102.9 tape. This your boy Cupid Mike. Got my brother Roberto Germán in the building. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll talk behind the scenes. And um, there was this poem that you did. And I want to get this in real quick. It's very nice, short, and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, the title was called um, They Call Him Corny for Russell Wilson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifty-eight. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I rehearse this one? Can I, can I do this one? Go, go ahead, man. Go ahead, knock yourself out. Yeah. Haters love to shade a good, optimistic dude. Red, wait, wait, what's the word there? Red, wretchedness. Wretchedness, prefer. Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, that's all the poem says. That's it. <laughs> Plain and simple. Let's get straight to it. Straight, get straight to, it. to it, man. So what, what 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 was it that had Russell on your mind like that? You know, Ru- Russell Media, uh, Russell Wilson has come up a lot in the media in the past few years. Uh, some of it justified, some of it unjustified, and I just think it's interesting how people run with certain narratives because you don't fit their box. And I've been the type of person who's always carried himself. I shouldn't say always, but I, I think for the most part, I've carried myself in a way where uh, I'm not trying to fit your box. Mm-hmm. So in the sense that, you know, I get it. I can relate in terms of, you know, you're trying to do certain things, you're trying to present yourself a certain way. And if 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 you don't fit the bill, then... You're, you're viewed as the other. Yeah. And in this case, I think part of the re- reason Russell Wilson gets shade is because he's not ratchet enough. Mm. And I I think it's an interesting thing for us as a people to examine. Like, what is it about our mentality that you know, makes us think that he's, for lack of better terms, you know, less worthy in our eyes uh, because he's not ratchet enough. And again, some of his behavior has justified critique. You know, when he's kind of separated himself, he's isolated himself, he's done stuff like that, that's not cool. So, you know, we, we call it a spade a spade. But prior to all this, there was, like, a lot of back and forth about him when he got with Ciara. Yeah. Because Ciara and Future were together before, and, and, you know, he's basically, he's raising Future's son. Yeah. And I I think because people view Future as the, quote-unquote, cooler dude, Mm -hmm. 
uh, as the more ratchet dude or, or however we want to frame that, then as a result, Russell has received a lot of shade because, again, he doesn't fit the bill. He's just viewed as corny. And sometimes he is corny. But I think when people are referring to him and looking at him as corny, I think there's some layers that we got to peel back as to, like, yo, where's this really coming from? Um, It could also be for the fact that, you know, the perception he had when he got with Sierra that, you know, he was trying to, quote, unquote, save her. That's the perception. We're going with the perception. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, who's, right? Like, is that something he said or is that, you know, like, people just trying to run with that because, you know, R- Russell w- or Wilson publicly um, declares being a man of faith, right? He yeah. follows God. He follows the way of Jesus. Um, you know, Sierra, listen, man, I'm married. So, like, when when you're with somebody, when you're committed, when when you're doing life together, if, if y'all really bout it, then you should be rubbing off on each other. You should be influencing each other. You become one flesh. Mm-hmm. And so, like, with me and my wife, Lorena, right, there's, there's things in which I've really influenced her strongly. And, and you could probably see that, see see that throughout the years. And there's things in, that she brought, has brought to the table in which she's influenced me strongly. And that's, that's the way it should work. Yeah. And... I, I don't know them, but I see some of that in them. I see where there's they've influenced each other. Yeah, and you could say positively and or negatively. Yeah. Um it, it, it's so but I don't I, I don't understand like the constant barrage of critique that he receives and, and the constant shade that he receives. Uh just given when I look at the overall picture, man, again, I don't know these people personally, but they, but there's other people, other media figures that they present themselves to you and you're like, yo, this person seems like a terrible person. Person seems like somebody I don't want to be around. Um, and, and and even if you get it, even if we stick with this story and, and you get into like this future Sierra relationship or, if, or you know, future and like, you know, how has he been present as a father, not been present as a father, like. I, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there in terms of then how we receive and interpret things and then the narratives that, that we create. Well, so to piggyback that, when you when you um, talked about, you know, the perception that Russell has, you know, with the quote-unquote reputation being corny, I will go take it further that he probably gets the perception that being quote-unquote not black enough, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, we, facts. We, so we could go with that, you know, we could, that's a long list of people from Wayne Brady, Brian Gumbel. Um, funny enough, last night I just finished watching a video from a younger Pac taking shots at MC Hammer saying that he wasn't, quote-unquote, black enough and he was killing rap music. And because he's you know, was doing clean rap, he was corny. Fast forward six years later, they became the best of buddies. But we do have this thing that, you know, you ain't black enough, you ain't hip enough. What it's the, it's the, does that mean? Good question. We have to ask that, you know what I mean, for, the, for my listeners. You know, if you hear this, when you hear this episode, please hit me up. What the hell does that mean, that you ain't black enough? Um, there's other people... There's people that I had on the show that behind the scenes they were talking to finally enough and they would say like, oh, well, he's like the white version of whatever the hell that was. And I used to, you know, I confronted them. And what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yo, like come that. on, man. We got to stop with the nonsense 
For real, for real. It's, especially as it relates. I've never liked this, man. I've never liked when folks have when folks have made some type of correlation between like blackness uh, equating to ratchetness, ratchetness, loving hip hop kind of thing, loving. Don't get me started with love. This we won't, we won't, we won't. That's that'll be a whole nother episode, bro. We ain't got no time for that. Don't get me started, man. On on how poorly black folks are being depicted through that show, like. This is nah, man, nah, nah. And don't get me wrong, I like degeneracy. I'm a degenerate. I have my moments, but what I'm saying is, I know you place. are. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's all. Shout out to all my degenerates. But what I'm saying is, a time and a place. You can't be that 24 seven. Minimize it. And if you don't want to be a degenerate, that's even great for you. But it's a time and a place. We can't be that all the time. We yeah. all have to have like a level of ignorance. We all have it to an extent, but not to the point that we we celebrate it. We cannot celebrate. That, listen, bro. That that's the problem, bro. That typically the things that get amplified, the things that they're showing you constantly, the things, the the messages that are being reinforced in the minds of the viewers. And we know the viewers represent all different peoples, right? So there's a, there's a real danger in this when the message that you're reinforcing is that we are this, you know, we're just thugs. Uh, We're just whatever. Our women are, this or that, right? Like, I'm not... Scandalous, um, promiscuous. All that, all that. Uh-huh. Like, no, no, we represent so much more. Before we started the interview, you and I were talking offline about uh, all all the different rappers uh, who are doing these wonderful things that Tracy Lee, you had mentioned, is a lawyer, and I mentioned that Play from Kid and Play is a professor at a HBCU in Alabama. I, and we could just keep going yeah. down the line of... Uh, Shine, how Shine turned yeah. his life, shot up the club and then turned his life around. Yeah. Uh, and, and now is a politician in Belize really bringing about change. Like, this, there's so many individuals who are doing amazing things in our communities that we should amplify. Like, the spotlight should be on that. There should be TV shows about these amazing things that actually make great contributions, not just towards our people, but our society in general. And so, sorry, when I see a love in hip hop or whatever, it irks me because that's that that doesn't represent the full scale of who we are as a people. Right. It represents a fraction but it's also these individuals are also doing a lot for the camera. Yeah. So let's let's not just be so quick to buy into that narrative. And I'll also piggyback say it's a two way street because it's like they have a viewership. So this you know unfortunately you got us supporting it. We watch it. We give them the viewership. So you can't say they it's like they give us the product and we take the product and we you, we also have the option to shut it down. Say look I'm not gonna watch this. But you know the ratings. Says a whole different story. There's mm-hmm. an audience for that. And, you know, there are people that, you know, I've talked to behind the scene that be like, look, I try to do positive things and I don't get the numbers that I would like, but then I'll show the flip side of that and I get the numbers that I that I that I that I'm looking for. So it's a two it's it's this a tricky situation yeah, that, to be in. There's no doubt, but that's our conditioning too, bro. Yeah. You know, that that's that's our conditioning. And when I say R, by the way, I'm not even just referring to like a particular people group. I think we as as a society, society. in general, right? American. Like just why 
you know, over here, we allow all types of stupidity on on all types of platforms. Like, you go to certain countries, they won't have, they won't allow you to put up certain TikTok videos. Yeah. You know, like, they're not allowing you to do some of the dumb stuff that we see here. And I'm sorry for, uh, if I'm being brash, but, I like, I don't even, there's no other way that I could frame it. You know, some of the stuff that's created and some of the stuff that we consume, it makes us dumber. Yeah. And I, I get it. We're free in this country. We're super duper free to do all types of things. Uh, w- well, free in a certain sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I know that could be a whole nother episode. So, um, I want to get to uh, one more poem if we can. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. Uh, unfortunately, I would like to do this thing forever, but we're racing against time up in this joint. Hey, so. it's all good. It's all but, good. Uh, like I said, if I had you here, we would have had like a three-part episode. We would you would have took over the month of November, <laughs> and I know you wouldn't mind that either. So. Hey man, we do it. Um, <laughs> you have one in mind, or you want me to pick one? I I want you to pick one, and I think I know what I want you to go with this one to 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 your king. That's where I'm at. Yeah, good. His faith, dedicated to Cecilio Herman. Up early with the sun, knees sore from prayer, then phone calls and home visits to neighbors. Amidst his own pain, dialysis three times a week, weakened body needing rest, shivers, colds, fevers, coughs, pain. Paid their rents, funded their groceries until they stood on their own two feet. He understood when you arrived in the USA, Ain't no boots, ain't no straps. Burdens of others strapped on his back. He carried the cross. Dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty, always believing and trusting in the Lord. These were his words on the tip of his tongue, an encouragement to others. My father pastored a herd of men that were like fatherless children along the right path. Through tranquility, temptation, and turbulence. Reprimanded when necessary. Never abandoned, rather reminded me, you, them, the Lord awaits you. Mm. I mean, it, it's self-explanatory, man, but please um, break this down to my audience. Yeah, this Where is a piece that? that I wrote. Uh, this is a piece that I wrote the night before my father's wake. Uh, this was a hard one to write. But I knew that I was going to have to share something and there was going to be a lot of people coming out because my father touched a lot of people, as indicated here. Father passed away last year, February 13th, 2022, in Lawrence General Hospital. He had stage 5 kidney disease. And... I. I needed to write something that would honor him and keep his legacy alive. I needed to do that for him. I needed to do that for me. I needed to do that for my sisters. I needed to do that for my family in Dominican Republic, which is why it's translated in Spanish. I needed to do that for my kids who are eight, five, and three. Excuse me, eight, five, and two. The two-year-old was sued me three. The youngest never got to meet my father in person. He never got to hold. I didn't want to come up. Uh, You know, this was like peak COVID. So uh, I was uh, very hesitant. 
to to come up north from Florida because I didn't want to potentially expose him to any, you know. Yeah. Um. This was hard to write, man. This was hard to write. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And yet, it was necessary. It it was a way to for me to work through my grief. It is a way to to heal from from loss, and it's a way for me to remember my father. And I think it's important for us not to just store our emotions, because when we hold it in, eventually there'll be enough applied pressure that it it's gonna come out. And so you want your emotions to come out in healthy ways. And by the grace of God, writing's been a tool for me for a long time in which I'm able to express myself. And I needed to, I needed to capture the essence of who my father was. And the essence of who he was was grounded. It was rooted in his faith and him being a follower of Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, and committing himself to the teachings of Jesus. That but this did this did not make him a man without his own flaws and errors. Hmm. But he was committed to the teachings of Jesus, and and we saw that represented. We we saw the fruit that he bore: uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, grace gentleness and self-control we saw that fruit in his life you know so it's a wit you know it's a testimony it's a wonderful testimony uh, and I'm grateful to have been his earthly son grateful to have captured some of who he was and grateful to be able to share about my father with many audiences, including your audience here with the Boston Neighborhood Network. And, you know, I mean, I, I met your father. He was one stand-up dude, one heck of a man. And, you know, um, may he rest in peace. I know he's watching us right now. He's watching you, and I know he's very proud of you, just like we're proud of you. Indeed. And, you know, um, again, man, I, I thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for coming to the tape deck rocking with us. Thank you for giving us the spoken words. You got a book out, Blue Ink Tears. That's right. Oh, before I forget, this was on Times Square, wasn't it? Before I could do this in Times Square. So hey. I saw that on the Facebook. Coming. Yo, that's my man. Hey, man. That's my man's in Times Square. It's the grace of God, bro. It, it, you, <laughs> you made it. That's it. The tourists in Times Square. We made it. We made it. We made it, man. We made it, man. I shine, you shine. I. I'm glad you brought that up. Let me say a few things, and I know we're going to rap. Yeah. I want to make a few things real clear. First of all, I'm not a dude who likes to be in the spotlight. Yeah. I like to lay low. Um, but I have this product, and so, I, you know, I got to keep talking about it. I got to make people aware of it. And I'm proud of the work, no doubt. But I'm not a dude that likes to be in the spotlight. That's the truth. 
the thing with the Amazon billboard and and, and Times Square in, in New York City, it just happened, bro. It just it it just came to fruition. Like the Lord made it happen and made it happen seamlessly with the release of my book. I heard, you know, my my man. My man had told me, came down to Florida, he was it was in my house and he had told me, you know, a couple people had had some comments <laughs> back home about like, yo, you know, he must have paid somebody to like how stupid can people be? Hey, and again, I hate to speak hey, that way, but like, yo, envy. Do you know how much it costs to run an ad on a billboard in Times Square? You I mean, I know I stay fresh, but I don't have that type of money. Yeah. Like only God could have opened up that opportunity the way that it that it developed, man. And, and so I'm grateful for it. And the other thing I say is that like, yo, when 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 that went up and everybody was hitting me up left and right, yo, the billboard, yo, I, I'm like, yo, it's the law, baby. It, like we if you see me up there, just you could just put the the word Lawrence there. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I'm not out there to get my shine. If you see me up there, you see the whole law town up there. Yeah. You see the Dominican people up there, mm. and you see people that, like, came from our lifestyle, our walk. Whether you come from Lawrence or you identify Dominican now, whatever, like, if you come from somewhere like the way, the, the place that we come from, then you understand what time it is. You know what we came from. You know the struggle, but you know that it shaped us to be fine gold. So for my people, keep pressing, keep moving, keep doing your thing, and do it in community. Peace and love. Roberto Germán. Yes, 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 yes. Before we get out of here, where can we catch you at on your social media? At platform? Multicultural Classroom across all platforms. You can check out my website, multiculturalclassroom.com. But across all your platforms, that's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, at Multicultural Classroom. The book, Bluing Tears, the podcast, our classroom is Stay in Community. Yes, 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 sir. This is your boy, Cuban Mike. You've been listening to 102.9 Tape Deck. I got my brother, Roberto Germán. And, you know, it is what it is. You can catch me here every Friday from 6 to 7. And in case you didn't know, it's so caliber to the death, baby. Yeah. We out of here. SK. Peace.